Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we tonight, boys? That was a very professional-sounding intro, very enunciated. I'm an enunciator. It He's really enunciating was. well tonight. It really was. Uh, I'm doing great. I had a great day today. If I can have 20 seconds, my day. I get up early, I golf. Okay, I golf actually by myself, which was amazing. I golf like three balls at once. It was awesome. Come home, crush a workout, then go for lunch with my wife at Shea Piggy in Kingston. Shea Piggy. Then grab a coffee at Ballsacks. Then oh, come back. You're I winning. Come, oh, huge day. Then I come back to come back. Quick, quick bite to eat. Sun to tea ball. Then a podcast tonight. This is a day I'm having. That's a hell of a day. You are in in one today. It is a great. You day need to today. go buy a lottery ticket. I know. That's what I'm thinking about. Holy cow! That's, that's a, a hell of a day. day right there. That's significantly great. And you got a lot of sun today. You're you're old man tan. You're glowing right now. Nice right now. Thanks, glowing. Nice. Thank you. I do have a little bit of a uh, yeah deep glow. Didn't, you just won the last game of darts too, didn't I you? I took the last game of darts. Got myself back on the board here, and uh, this has just been a good one. Let's get this going. That's I think awesome. we all won a game of darts. I did. Yeah, I we think did. we did. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. You know, I played a little golf today, too. Wasn't that great. Had a bad back nine, but, you know, it was fun nonetheless. Good to you with some of the boys. Right on. Right on. Well, this week we are doing an awesome movie. We were all pretty excited about this one. I think it kind of just fell into our laps. We were were at that point where we were like, what should we do this week? We're kind of checking around, and then we're like, holy shit, this movie's on here. So this week we're actually doing The Fighter, David O. Russell uh, directed movie. From uh, 2010, we're all pretty excited. Mark Wahlberg, uh, Christian Bale. So let's jump into the trailer. This is my younger brother. You gotta help me finish this. Taught him everything he knows. You don't want to see where this fight is headed. I'm still his trainer. I have a fight next week. And after I win, I'm gonna start making good money so you can live with me more days, okay? Good luck, Daddy. Don't hold your breath, Casey. Bye, baby. You pave streets, right? Yeah, I do. And I'm a fighter. I heard you were a stepping stone. Oh, I mean, I had a few tough fights, but the next fight's gonna show who I am. Yeah, and he's gonna lose that one, too. So move that sugar ass and give him a... Don't disrespect her. Mickey Ward is 31 years old. He's here because he needs the money. Look at the size of that guy. He's got 20 pounds on me, Dickie. You don't fight, nobody gets paid. Quitting, Shelley. I'm done fighting. I don't need it anymore. It's sad that you let them take it away from you. I was embarrassed. I told everybody I was going to win that fight and get back on track. I'm sick of being a disappointment. Look, Mick, nobody's got heart like you. You're a very talented fighter. I want to give you a real shot. Make one last run at this thing before it's too late. What about my brother? He's taught me everything I know. I can't do it without him. With all due respect, he's too much trouble. Dickie, get on the ground right now! <laughs> He's a fighter! Break his hand! Mick, I was doing it for you. You did right? it for me? Remember what, yes? this? Do me a I'll favor, don't get nothing for me uh, no more, okay? You ready for a title shot? Not a stepping stone anymore. He's using you. You can't beat me. You had a hard enough time being you, and that's why you're in here. We're gonna train, they gotta go. Why am I the problem? I'm his blood, I'm his family! You're crazy. I'm the one fighting. Not you, not you, and not you. This is my shot at the title. I won't get another one after this. 
Nikki has a chance to do something that I never did. And he needs me. Okay. I'll see you in Mickey's corner. This is your time. I have my tongue and I blew it. You don't have to. You'll make it wide. You'll make it wide. So without further ado, let's get into our brew review. So what are we drinking this week, Webb? Well, boys, we've all heard that famous saying, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, in honor of Mickey O'Keefe, because that's how he spells it, not like Mickey Ward. Mickey uh, didn't float much, but he did uh, sting quite a few people with that mean left hook to the body. Uh, So we're going to drink a a fine pint of Mickey's malt liquor tonight. Uh, We're going to go head body, head body with the pint here. And we're going to come in. uh, It comes in many different shapes and sizes. It's most recognizable in its Mickey Mickey Ward-esque green stubby bottle, also known as the Grenade. Despite its appearance, this pint will no doubt deliver a punch at 5.6%. So go ahead and grab yourself a Mickey's and get stung. Did I throw in enough boxing cliches there? I think oh. there's a lot of references in there. There's a nice, nice level of boxing cliches. Thank you. There. For more information, check them out at mickeys.com. And as always, Big League Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you've arranged your safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Webb. Well done. Cheers, guys. That's I a hell of a unscrew this one because we can't say bottles. Yeah, hey, unscrew these ones. This, these ones I remember from our, our early days, JR. Uh, remember when we were looking for different types of beers? We were starting to branch out from like the Molson Canadians and the Coors Lights and the Bud Lights Rickers and the Blue Red. Lights or whatever we were drinking at the time, right? <laughs> you, you graduated from your dad's beer fridge as well. Basically, yeah. Basically. Yeah. And I remember we were at the beer store one day and we just thought these looked cool because they were stubbies. But the one thing we thought was neat and we were going golfing was that you could screw the top back on. So we thought, hey, we're riding around a cart or you're carrying your golf bag. Mm-hmm. How great is this? You could drink your beer and you could screw the top back on when you're moving. We thought that was just the greatest thing in the world. And then put the top back on. And it turned out to be a good beer. It was. Now you just put it in Contigo. True. Or a Yeti for the uh, Jordan Reed followers. The days before the Yetis. JR's like the biggest consumer of Yeti products. He may have stock in the company. I have a lot of Yeti stuff. Listeners, I do. Let's call it like it is. Yeti, love you. You and the You Betcha guy. Yeah. You got the the hair's looking a little bit like a Yeti right now, too. Oh, it's out of control with this humidity. And every haircut plays is Humidity. Yeah. (laughs) The humidity in Ontario is unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. You need to get one of the verticolis. You're going to start looking like Elaine Bennis pretty soon with the humidity in her hair. No kidding. You need to get a verticoli from uh, that movie there, Will Ferrell, the Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. Made of illegal whalebone. I've tried to get my hair cut like four times, and every time, oh, we're closed, we're closed. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, we're closed. You need the mane and tail. Uh, Anyway, back to Mickey's. Sorry, we got off the rails there. Um... A solid beer. Um, I like it. Haven't had it in forever, guys. But it's a solid, nice, cold beer. Screw on lid. Kind of just pretty plain tasting to me, but it does the job. I love how it says strong beer. It's 5.6%. But uh, It's got a a very good flavor. I do notice that it tastes a lot different when it goes from being ice cold to like room temperature. Oh, yeah. Oh, it doesn't age well. Doesn't age well. It's one of those ones you better drink it when it's cold, or it's gonna sneak up on you. You, you can really get the like the malt liquor taste when it starts mm-hmm. to warm up a little bit. Like once, I, I feel like this is gonna be one tomorrow that's gonna come back to bite us all. Like we're gonna, oh. we're gonna get stung on a, a ride on the Hershey Highway, so to speak. Oh, it's gonna punish you tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. 
porcelain's going to get a pound. Oh, that's for sure. All right. So as we mentioned, this week we're doing The Fighter, directed by David O. Russell, distributed in 2010 by Paramount Pictures. It's got a 7.8 rating on Internet Movie Database and 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a pretty high rating. Uh, budget of $25 million and grossed $129.2 million at the box office. So it just crushed it at the box office. Music by Michael Brook, starring Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale, Amy Adams, and Melissa Leo. Uh, movie synopsis. The fighter is based on true events from the life of former WBU light welterweight champion Mickey Ward. Ward from Lowell, Massachusetts, is managed by his mother Alice Ward and trained by his older half-brother Dickie Eklund, a once-promising boxer himself whose life has since spiraled out of control. Despite Mickey's hard work, he is losing, and when the latest fight nearly kills him, he follows his girlfriend's advice and splits from the family. Then Mickey becomes a contender for the world title, and he and his family earns a shot at redemption. So let's jump into our character review, and let's start out with our with our lead in this movie, Irish Mickey Ward, played by Mark Wahlberg. Mickey Ward, first of all, guys, was one of my favorite boxers of all times. He had some really entertaining and engaging fights. He won fight of the year three years in a row. Yeah, yeah they were, in, you know, when I was following boxing and I, when an Irish Mickey Ward fight was on, you knew you were going to lock in and fight. He didn't, le- he didn't leave anything on the table. What was the thing on TSN? They used to have the weekly fights. Uh, I remember they would, they would always, they would have them on like Friday nights, but they would mm-hmm. have reruns on like Monday afternoons. But I would always pick it up when I'd come home from school. And it was like TSN fight night or something mm-hmm. like that. And I swear to God, Mickey Ward was fighting every single TSN fight night because they'd always like history and holy cow, uh, Wahlberg, great job, obviously. Um, the look of him, Wahlberg. I mean, being a Massachusetts guy, uh, somebody who takes sports serious, follows sports serious, takes really good care of himself. Anyway, was a great cast for this, I think. Um, Mickey Ward, what a what a story though into itself. Um, I'm glad this story got told. And it was one of those ones that if it, this story wasn't told through this movie for Mickey Ward, I think I think the world would have missed out a little bit. Yes. I kind of noticed that. I was like, this is an amazing story. Uh, so so I had him down as somebody just so incredibly at risk. I mean, that's a cliche we've talked about a lot. but And uh, with the trust issues at risk, I had – he's your classic working man, though, that you can get behind. I find that with him. Um, I don't have a lot of knocks on him, to be honest. I think he's almost too trusting in his family. I mean, that's obvious. But a couple of things with Wahlberg playing him. Man, does Wahlberg ever have a good strut. When he's mad, Mark Wahlberg in this movie, and angry and ad- agitated, can he ever like strut in a scene? And just yeah. the angry walk, he's got that down to a T, boys. Yeah, he's got that... that- Southie walk. Absolutely, he does. And he that's looks being like from he's Massachusetts. a brick shit house that could beat the snot out of you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and cool yeah. shit. Super cool. So cool. And Mickey Ward, super cool too. And I really enjoyed watching the arc of this. I, I really enjoyed the character of Mickey Ward. How he just didn't, he didn't want to make everybody upset, but at the same time, knew, eventually figured out, okay, I have to do this and take control of my life. Just so trusting sometimes in other people. Yeah, I'd say I agree with you. I think the only thing that I don't necessarily um, love about him is that he is a little bit of a follower at times when he has this ability to be a a real leader. 
Um, and maybe it's a different type of leadership. So I don't want to totally, you know, cut him out of the knees, so to speak. But he just seems to always go with somebody else's direction. If it's not his mom's and Dickie's, it's Charlene's, right? And even if that's the right direction, it's still her direction. And right. there's that mm-hmm. scene later on in the movie where he's like, you sound like them. And she's like, well, now you sound like them. Like, it just kind of goes to that understanding of like, well, what do you actually want to sound like? Where's your voice in all of this, Mickey? What do you want? Um, and I think he constantly is just trying to please other people. And so in that respect, you kind of just sit there and it's, it's hard not to like a guy like that. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you kind of sit there and think to yourself like, Jesus Christ, dude, just like, let's go sack up and be a man in, in a certain respect. So uh, I don't know. I love him. I love everything about him. He's selfless. You know, he, he takes on that fight just so people will get paid, right? And right. it doesn't even necessarily mean his mom and Dickie. It's like O'Keefe and it's the guys back at his little shithole gym and like all that stuff. So, you know, it's hard not to root for him. That's for sure. And I mean, Mickey Ward, the actual legitimate boxer, is probably one of the most entertaining fighters of all time. If you yes. go back and watch. I, like I spent a good chunk of today just watching, rewatching some of his fights and fight highlights on YouTube. And it's just... He just stood in there and went toe to toe for guys with yeah. guys. Like, there's no finesse about his game or whatsoever. It was like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to go body head, body head, or head body head body, whatever you want to, however you want to go at it. But yeah, yeah. James, I'm glad you mentioned that web about like him always kind of getting pulled in one direction or the other because it's funny. A lot, um, actually, Roger Ebert, one of his critic critical things about the movie was that the star character, so to speak, was was so like mundane and laid back and didn't have a lot of charisma. And that was almost kind of a knock. But the reality is, is that was Mickey Ward. Yeah. Like his personality was that way. So how can you do a biopic where you're not going to have the accuracy? And that's why I love the way this movie was written and directed because you had so many strong characters that could that could take up the screen and share the screen of them. So, yeah, I mean, you have a guy that is, and in my mind, it's not, it's not really a movie about Mickey Ward. It's more of a movie about Dickie Eklund in it's a way, a, it, and even a, more just the family dynamic. I was going to say it's more. It's called the Fighter and not the Mickey Ward story because right. it's really about the whole idea of boxing and the intricacies within that family dynamic. So you're right. I I 100% agree with you. If we talk about Ward, though, not being a leader or whatever you want to call it, where in his life did he ever get an opportunity to show it? He didn't. Micromanaged by his family. His father gets pushed around by his mother as well. (laughs) He's not being modeled in anything. He's not getting any type of leadership modeling, essentially. No, not at all. He has some sort of modeling. He's a but bit even more then, of a leader, but he's still not a model. He's the O'Keefe. O'Keefe may be the worst cop on the planet. Yeah, let's yeah. call it like it is. He's a rough, not good. But there's yeah. like, it's kind of like you're looking for blood from a stone at this point because yeah. he's not able to do it. Right, right. You have to be shown a little bit how to lead. Yeah, that's a fair point. And yeah, you have to be yeah. shown how to stand up for yourself. Somebody somewhere has probably told you, time to stand up for yourself. He's never been told this because he's just been held and coddled and taken care of and pushed. Not coddled, but... You, can his imagine, mother is running his show. Can so you imagine hard. going to a bar with that many of your oh, family God. members? No. Nobody's going to On like a repeated basis? Mm-mm. Yeah. It'd be insane. It would be wild. Um, I can't imagine having that many brothers and sisters, though. All that being said, I thought Wahlberg did a fa- fabulous job. Like, watching interviews with Mickey Ward, I thought he really captured his kind of mannerisms, the way he 
he talks, mm. his kind of shyness. I thought he did a really good job with that. And then from a boxing standpoint, like he just looked like a stud. Yeah, I, I have something to talk about later in the realism review, but I'll kind of save it for then. But overall, great job by Mark Wahlberg. Absolutely. I, this is a passion. I know this movie was a passion piece. It was kind of him pushing this movie, and we'll get a little bit further into that later. But it makes sense. He's in his backyard for crying out loud. Yeah, and right. The age of and his age. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great cool. job. Awesome job. Um, let's move on to Dickie Eklund, played by Christian Bale. First of all, Christian Bale, I mean, there's a reason he won an Oscar for this one, guys. Oh, God. He was unbelievable as an actor in this role. Dickie, I can't stand you. Um, I'm sorry. I, I didn't have a lot of time for Dickie. Um, he was one of those, like, boxing. Obviously, he's a boxing almost savant. But the inability to control anything about Is he, him, though? Yes, Let's he be is. honest. Yes, he is. Is it his strategy? Head, body, head. I mean, <laughs> no, he, in the, he is. I did. Well, and I'm basing this only on, on the movie. Too. I'm basing it only on the scenes. But that whole that whole strategy that he came up with when he was in prison for him to fight Alfonso. Is that San, Sanchez? Hernandez? Hernandez? I think it was Hernandez. No, Sanchez. Sanchez. Hernandez sorry. is the black Alfonso guy. Alfonso Sanchez? Sanchez. It was his strategy that ended up winning out because Mickey tried the other one for a bit and then he switched over mm-hmm. to basically what the Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope strategy was. Let him punch himself out and then go go to the body, basically. I, I had a note on him like, this guy's all trouble, though. And I know he's family. I'm sorry to say this, but how many times can you jump out a window into a dumpster? <laughs> like, those jumps, unbelievable. Amazing. unbelievable. Amazing. How, how's your, how's your like, uh, herniated discs? Oh, right neck. I wish back? him all the best in real life, of course, but... <laughs> I don't know how he's... Just, I had to check to see if he was still alive. He's still alive. I don't I, know how uh, the hell he's done it. But. Like, is he not your classic hometown hero? Like... Oh yeah, he's Ain't a guy who peaked way was. too early and peaked doesn't so early, know how I mean, to get it live it, not live in the past. To like get he, in a ring with Ray Leonard, I gotta give him credit. Obviously, he's he stuck in a time warp. But I couldn't, I just couldn't connect with this guy. I'm sorry, I didn't have much time for him. I really didn't. I liked O'Keefe as a trainer better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked well, him because you want a trainer who's going to be consistent. And yeah, there every day. he's just not there for you. Yeah, that's it. That's what I have to say about him. I, I mean, Bale was unbelievable. His character was critical. That documentary was so sad. I watched it. It was. I watched the actual documentary. Oh, it's uh, it's pretty somber. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Webb. I, I can't imagine it would be overly game. joyful. I mean, horrible. talking about like the crack. reaction, the reaction the families had. It was really well done because I'm like, Jesus, if I was his family watching that and not knowing, because he was telling everyone they're doing the documentary's comeback, not about like being a crackhead. So, yeah, it would be pretty jolting for oh, the family yeah. that wasn't expecting that. Yeah, there's, I mean, in terms of a human being level, there's not a whole lot to like about him, right? Um, he He's funny as hell in the that opening scene alone where he's talking about his comeback. Like, we were joking around before and Jammer was shadow boxing JR as he's trying to throw darts. But, you know, like, <laughs> I just think it, it would have been so realistic watching him going down the streets with that that camera crew thinking like he's the mayor of the fucking Lowell, right? Like yeah. he just he thinks he's the guy. Like I I and I'm watching that they scene. love him though. I but that's just it. And I'm watching that scene again today and I'm dying laughing because I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how much fucking fun did these guys have filming that scene? Oh a blast. God, yeah. And and how bad was Mark Wahlberg trying not to hold, like piss his pants <laughs> laughing? I'd be laughing. Like when he's, when he's doing, raking what, the gravel. Oh my god! And when he's like, 
doing like the Pillsbury Doughboy, the black yeah. guy, and then the girl comes flying out of the store and she's shadow boxing. And he's got like, a dart in his mouth the whole time. Oh my god. Oh, like, I love it. It's man. hilarious. But See, yeah, Christian Bale, I mean, I'm not gonna spend too much time. Has he been has he done any role that hasn't been fantastic? He's I think he's he, the new Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I was gonna say he's in there in yeah, Daniel Day Lewis territory. I, I don't know if I've seen him in anything. Like he put Batman back in the map. 310 to Yuma was unreal. Amazing in 310 to Yuma. Yeah. Or, I don't know if I've... Where do you, where do you want to go yeah. next? American Psycho. Like everything. American like, Psycho. He, ride. He, he's been fantastic in everything. He's you name done. it. So you say like when he walks down the street that everyone loves him. Do you think they actually love him in that town? Or are they just giving him the head nod and going I think they do. Day? I think there's more people that... Well, he put their... Their little shitty town on the map, yeah. right? You've been, have you been to Lowell? Yes. I, yeah, I played in Lowell. That the, the arena that he had his comeback fight against, or mm-hmm. whatever, that, or whatever, the, um, Songus, I think it's called Songus Arena. I've played there before. It's nice, but Lowell's shit. It's it a is. shit. Town. It was an industrial town, right? It was it like is. one of the industrial first Revolution. industrial revolutions. It is, towns. and it's had it's had a lot of like decay, right? Like it's makes sense. It is what it is. But yeah, I can understand why the he represented a time when things were booming in that town, and he was kind of like on the rise. That's a big deal to go and fight a guy like Sugar Ray Leonard. Absolutely, it is, especially in the eighties. In the heyday, yep. And Dickie was kind of on the rise at that time. And I, you know, as much as he's annoying, you want to just knock his block off, and you know the selfish things he does. I feel real bad for him because of some of the upbringing you would have had and and being where he was and everybody putting the pressure they did on him at the time. I can see why he he, he kind of got caught in that time warp and was like, I've now had this fall from grace. It's never going to get better and I'm stuck in here. It's almost like that Friday Night Light stuff we talked about last Yeah, time. I feel like there's a lot of like spoiled kid in him though. There is because obviously Alice Ward... Yeah. Mm-hmm. basically and you see it throughout like nobody's Why ever does, told him no yeah everyone's always like it has to be about dicky it's dicky dick but i also think that heaps the pressure on him right yeah fair enough it, it it's does, a it's a double-edged sword with that's that. that lack of leadership yeah. there's no leadership there's no one grabbing his hand get your you know what together and let's go and i i do think that he once he went to prison and he kind of got that inner look mm-hmm. probably seeing that documentary he opened his eyes a bit and you could see it in the movie it seems like just from all the follow-up interviews and stuff i've read about him that he seems to have turned things around and at least to an extent where he seems to be clean that's good and he's running the gym with mickey that they run now and they are training boxers and like you said he's a boxing savant so he really is it's good that he's able to channel that into something so uh, i'm happy to see that he seems to be doing well and because he was an absolute gong show at this stage in his life in the 90s in this movie he was a you know example of addiction Yep. as well yep. i mean the uh, the the powers of addiction yeah but in the movie he drove me nuts couldn't, oh god couldn't yeah. do it well and played obviously but just important I got, character couldn't i gotta it. say like with christian bale and there's some actors there's some there's only a handful of actors that can do it on a regular basis daniel day lewis is one of them christian bale for me philip seymour hoffman philip seymour hoffman and paul newman was another one for me where they can take they always seem to be able to play these like they can go there. Characters that Whatever are like, there's nothing redeemable about them. You mm-hmm. shouldn't like them. But because it's the actor playing them, you love them somehow. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? Like, you, you're yep. just like, unbelievable. You're, you're drawn to them because of who's playing the role. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Like, Paul Newman always did that. Like, everybody, most of the movies he did, 
when you when you look at them on paper, they're not good characters. Like they're not good mm-hmm. people. You shouldn't like them, but you root for them in the movies that they're in. And I find that there's only a handful of actors out there that can and actresses that you can pull that can pull that off. Yeah, it's definitely definitely I think a Bale's big role. One of them. Yeah, it's a big role. You're right. You need yeah. a big time actor to play that role and do it. Like if you had a typical like shitbag villain playing that guy that plays villain roles playing this role, you'd just be no, like, no, you wouldn't be able to carry like it because he no. did. I'll give Bale like the last thing. Obviously, we pumped his tires a lot. He held the role the whole time. Yeah, you know when you watch something, they can't hold the role the whole time. He held yeah. it the whole time. Every right. scene, he nailed it. He's amazing. Yeah, there it's, were no off scenes. Anyway, it's I, like I, how we always associated Hans Gruber with being a bad guy and then he's cast as a bad guy in the Harry Potter movies and it like yeah. some people just get typecast that way like the scene when he's doing the Ponzi scheme yeah <laughs> I'm fucking pissing myself <sighs> watching that scene loving it and then the guy his little stooge buddy it's white people do this to white people all the time see yeah. can dream and the one guy he's like oh, we've been working road trip you we, and he's like well not really lately you haven't been like, coming to work no, we've yet. been working road trip <laughs> yeah. well you just haven't been showing up <laughs> <laughs> just an amazing oh, yeah. setup. Um, so let's move on to um, Charlene Fleming, actually played by Amy Adams. Hold on, Charlene. Uh, very well done again, Amy Adams. Um, that's for sure. Good and you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, she was the first person, I think, that I noticed that quote-unquote got it in regards to Mickey's family where she knew something was off. She was pretty smart. I mean, she lives the same idea, pretty... A lot of self-destruction in her yeah. life. That's for sure. She fits the... I, I wrote down, I'm sorry, like very classic, but a little bit cliche of somebody who should be doing better, working at the bar, not the going where she should be going and doing what yeah. she should be doing and using her intelligence the best she can. But I re- I enjoyed her as a character. I thought she yeah. was really important. And I think as a person, I'm sure she's, you know, she's obviously... I think they're still married. They are. So yes. obviously a very important person in Mickey's life and helped to basically guide him and get him to a point where he can probably, hopefully, I'm assuming he's living a pretty good life right now. She grew him up. She yeah. did grow him up, and she, she told taught him how to be a leader. She's a bit of an MTV girl, but <laughs> yeah, we're getting the MTV girl. What does that mean? Whatever the fuck that means. And I think the fact that she was also an athlete helped. Yeah, that was cool. That I was, pretty, that was cool. pretty cool. I enjoy, I liked that part, and yeah. she to me she was the first person. Understands the struggle. Yeah, she understands the struggle, the training, the need to focus, and to basically zone out noise. And she taught him how to be a leader. She might have been the first person to say the word no to Mickey or no to everybody. Like when she said no to Alice and no to uh, Dickie, she shot them down. And that never happened to them before in that town. She's bluntly honest all the time. And I like that. Like even the line where she's like, you going to talk to me or what? Your father stares at my ass all the time, but at least he's going to talk to me. Or at least he talks to me. Like she's just all the time honest and he needs that in his life because a is getting attention finally and b she's not going to bullshit him like his other his other family members have constantly been doing um even his own dad doesn't friggin any offer any kind of words of wisdom or sage advice ever right he's so passive we like we talked about already so you know she's totally needed I mean, Amy Adams does a fantastic job in this role. She's super sexy as hell. We talked about oh, this earlier. Um, and just, she's she's another great cast. Like, this this movie has some heavy hitter actors and actresses in it. Or actors, I guess, is the polite, or the polite, 
the correct term to use in general. So yeah, like she was just fantastic. So I don't know. I don't have much to add there. No, I got nothing to add. Let's move on to Alice Ward, played by Melissa Leo, who also won an Academy Award for this role. She did an awesome job in it. Uh, holy cow, this lady was just noise. <laughs> I wrote down she's just flat out noise. I'll be brief. That is just noise and nonsensical noise. Um, very well done by Melissa Leo, obviously. Um, she held that character, a big character as well, to play. Um, it looked like she did a lot of, I did a little dive, like a lot of research, looked into it, put the time in to learn the character and really helped to, as a viewer, create web, like how you get it to get a vision into Mickey Ward's life a little bit. And for Dickie for that matter, and really see like their, the power of their mom, essentially booking fights for him. She has no clue. She has no clue what she's doing. No. And oh yeah, I got you a fight. 20 grand. 20 grand to go into 17 a fight. 17.5, actually. 17.5, exactly. <laughs> and how much of that was Mickey going to get? Yeah. He was getting nothing out of that. And he's going in to get his face punched for 20 grand. So you could really start to see where the priorities are. Good job, by, again, by Melissa Leo in this. Um, but this lady web was just flat out noise the whole time. She's a fucking skid. Yes. Uh, pardon my language. But she is. And you hate her. As, a, as an audience member, you hate her guts. Um, and because you have such a visceral reaction to her... That's how you know she did, Melissa Leo did such a fantastic job mm-hmm. in the role, right? Um, yeah, like just, she's a user, she's selfish, she looks out for herself and for uh, Dickie to some extent. Um, maybe Beaver. Maybe Beaver, <laughs> uh, who knows. Maybe I, Pork. She clearly doesn't look out for George. No, no, like, George. Georgie takes a I, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, man, George, like, what do you think? And Georgie she must... took that frying pan off the arm. Well, <laughs> she's not the frying pan. <laughs> We're not sitting there thinking, like, George, she must be one fantastic lay, but I mean, she's got nine kids. I don't know how uh, uh, kind of tight that screen door is at this ah! point in time. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. There's oh, been, there's been a lot of usage there. That she was something. I don't know what else to say about her, Jamer. Yeah. Let's talk about George Ward, played by Jack McGee. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor Georgie. Poor George. You know what I also wrote down? Him and Charlene, they actually get it. Yep. George yeah. got it. George is actually the best per- one of the best people in Mickey's he's life. My, he's the best guy in the movie, really. He really is. <laughs> this is like the best human being where he's like, okay, this guy knows socially. He's aware. He knows right from wrong. He just has no voice whatsoever. No. Can't no. throw a punch very well either. No. <laughs> no. He can take a frying he pan off the He can take a fry pan, a shoe, a pump, a pen. <laughs> fry pan? That would hurt. I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> that would yeah, hurt. That would be I think that one. might have a cast iron, too. <laughs> it would have been a cast iron. <laughs> and she threw that cast iron pan pretty hard, by the way. Anyway, yeah, poor guy, Webb. Just a poor guy. Probably one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie is... When the sisters all show up to the house and, and Charlene is, gets her shot in there. And you see George roll up in the work truck, bolts out of the and truck, then- <laughs> gets out of the car, sees what's going on, gets back in the car without saying a word, backs God. away. I died laughing. I had a note about that. I was crying laughing. Oh, about that. God. It was what so would you funny. do? I'd do the exact same so thing. So funny. <laughs> so funny. So the guy that played him, Jack McGee, he also was in uh, a, a series that I love, which is uh, Rescue Me with Dennis Leary. Yeah. And he was fucking priceless in that one, too. So I was really happy. I remember this was right around the time Rescue Me was still running. So I was pretty pumped to see him in this movie, at that, in this role. It was good. 
Let's move on to other notable characters. Are there other ones that stood out for you? Well, I think we can all talk about the sisters. Oh, God. They're Patty hilarious. and Selma. Oh, God. <laughs> I just wrote down Patty and Selma from Simpsons, all the sisters. What do we say about them? The nicknames? Like, uh, what was on Beaver? Beaver? One was Pork. Pork. And you can't call her those. The one, the one that looked... I don't even know how to really say this without crossing the line, so I'm just going to say... I just talked about how the screen door wasn't tight. I think we've crossed that line. There was one where her eyes might have been a little bit closer to the, her nose than the others. <laughs> The radius was off. Is that wrong? It wasn't very that. symmetrical. No Her face wasn't though. very symmetrical. But she was hilarious because she kept bringing up the the MTV. She's the MTV stuff. girl. <laughs> MTV she girl. lives over on that yellow house. Yeah, the I was, MTV girl. I was killing myself. She kept bringing that stuff up. Oh. They were just feeding out the right? oldest one. Yeah, the eldest one. Whatever, whatever her nickname if you're was. You're Mickey, and that's home. Just run. Yeah, get your money and get out of here. Go live in San Diego or something. Be like, I'm out of here. Don't ever look back. Oh God, ever. what a nightmare that was. I got. Uh, I'll give O'Keefe a shout out. We talked about how he's not the smartest of policemen, but pretty good, pretty good trainer. Yep. And shout out to the fact that it was actually the O'Keefe guy that played yeah, the himself real guy. in the movie. So very cool. cool. That's very, legit. pretty cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Very very cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there's it. There really wasn't any other characters that kind of stood out at yeah. all. And I mean, it's so hard because you you really got the three characters, maybe four if you count Charlene. I guess yeah. dominating. Oh, Red Dog wasn't Red Dog one of the sisters? Oh God, <laughs> Red, Red Dog. Red Dog. Red Dog. Like yeah, I, and I I think we've talked about it multiple times. How we just love when they minimize the amount of characters that have the impacts. It's like, it yeah. just makes it for a good film. Yes. Um, just better for writing. So let's jump into quotes. Any quotes stand out for you? Yeah, I had a couple. Uh, I'm going to fire away on this one. And this one, it's it's not as funny, but to me, it was a quote that, to me, kind of summarized the whole movie and what the whole movie was about. So when Dickie was getting arrested by the police and Charlene and O'Keefe told him, told Mickey, don't move. That's one of those ones where you're yeah. like, okay, these people actually know what's going on. I think George might have said too, like, don't you dare get out. Yeah, Just stay here. right here. You got a fight don't. coming up. And you're not getting in trouble. You're not getting arrested. You're not getting into anything. For me, that was a pretty powerful. Those were powerful quotes and powerful scenes of people who said who had it figured out that this guy Dickie's in a bad way. He's just going to bring you down. Don't move. You stay right here. No matter what happens, you're not leaving this restaurant. Obviously, he leaves. We know the story. Yeah. Such is life. A um, couple other ones that I had were uh, do uh, got arrested. He's all grumpy. Alice said that. Uh, ESPN screwed us. Yeah, ESPN yeah, screwed yeah, us. Yeah. ESPN screwed us. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave you guys some other ones. ESPN screwed us. That's awesome. Where'd you fucking park the car, boo boo? <laughs> oh, fuck it. I'll run. I need the road work. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> dying. And they're like, road work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, work boots. And he's just cooking. Uh, all cracked. He's up. got the long arms going. Uh, this one was your Charlene. Your father stares at my ass too, but he talks to me. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Charlene had some beauties. In yeah. This one. Uh, hey, Alice. What about your husband laying down on the ground over here? You want to help your fucking husband? Why are you running in here like a silverback gorilla? Yeah, <laughs> that one that killed one, me. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, uh, this one just showed Mickey's ignorance when they go on their big date. Uh, full boat is scholarship, right? Belly pocky. Just. Sh- yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, a guy on a road crew told you about that movie. Um did you ever know they smoked crack in the White House? I thought that yeah. was pretty funny. Uh and then the best one kills me every time. Uh Charlene, it's not very ladylike you shouting in the street like that. And the guy's walking by. 
What type of dog is that? A cocker spaniel? Cocker spaniel. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, oh, what's that on your arm? It's icing. What's <laughs> <laughs> that blue shit on your arm? Um, that's totally ad lib. That I had to have been. Um, the one Mickey Ward after seeing the size of Mike Mungin, his, his opponent in the first oh, fight yeah. where he gets yeah. substituted. He did not just get off the fucking couch. If he did, I'm going to buy a couch like that. And then uh, Mickey Ward, when he's introducing Charlene to his family, and he's like, and she's trying to get their nicknames down, and he's like, don't use their nicknames. She's like, I'd rather not fucking call them anything. Let's jump into little known facts. So the movie is inspired by the HBO documentary High on Crack, sorry, High on Crack Street, Lost Lives in Lowell, which came out in 1995. Uh, so we kind of see that in the movie. The way this movie... I, I love how it was written in the sense that it was kind of based on the fact that they were doing this documentary on uh, Dickie Eklund, but it also groups in Mickey Ward's rise in the boxing world, where he kind of has a lull in his career, and then he digs his way out and, and makes his way up. So Dickie Eklund did not like how his mother and sisters were portrayed in the film. He yelled at Christian Bale after a screening in anger. His sisters also did not like their portrayals. Beaver Eklund walked out of the screening of the film in protest. Oh, no. Oh, oh Beaver left. Beaver has oh, left the building. Uh-oh. There's only eight more. <laughs> so Mark Wahlberg waived his own salary and took no upfront fee for this film. Christian Bale was paid only 250000 for his role, which at this time mm-hmm. he would have been banking in multi-multi-millions for roles that he would have been taking. Pretty cool, considering that Bale went on to win an Oscar for this. This came out, what, 2010? Yeah. So this is before the Batman stuff, or just it would come uh, in the middle of it? Came after? after. Middle, I would say middle. middle. He did 310 to Human before this, too. Yeah. So I think Batman Begins was like 2004, I want to say, or 2005. So it was, yeah, it was after that, but in the middle of like the subsequent ones. Mickey Ward's real-life trainer, Mickey O'Keefe, was asked to appear as himself in the film, but turned down the role since he had never acted before. Mark Wahlberg told him that he would be able to since he was a cop, and therefore he has to act and think fast on his feet in his job. This was convincing enough to uh, convince him to take the role. Pretty cool. Neat. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice touch having him in the in the film. Sick duster too. Absolutely. Oh, great. So Matt Damon and Brad Pitt were previously attached to play Dickie Eklund, but the role went to Christian Bale, who went on to win an Academy Award. Before Bale's casting, Mark Wahlberg talked to Eminem about taking the role, but Eminem ultimately declined in order to work more on his music. I don't... I mean, I can't really... Uh, Brad Pitt would have been able to pull it off. I feel like Brad Pitt, though, would have been like... uh, What's his name? Mickey? Is it Mickey and Snatch? Yeah, he would have like, played I feel that. Like, I feel like that's it would it would have come across like that to me. Yeah, he could have played the the role in the way that he was the the parky, the pikey. Yeah, like I just don't, I don't know if I. I think I the look of Bale or uh, what was the one uh, Twelve Monkeys? He was in Twelve. Was yeah. it Twelve Monkeys? The way yeah. Bale can like club. manipulate his face. I know it sounds weird, but like yeah. he can. Bale's perfect. His facial reactions, what he can do with his eyes. He plays oh. a crackhead very well. He does play a crackhead really and well. And he can drop weight like nobody else. And like he can him. get so skinny. I was about to say, like, his body type and his ability. You're like, this guy's wild. He can go from, like, 220 to, like, 160 somehow very mm-hmm. quickly. He's, well, there's a note about it. I have it in uh, later on. But it's pretty amazing what he can do. 
uh, Christian Bale actually got involved when Mark Wahlberg asked him to take part in the movie. Wahlberg and Bale knew each other through their daughters who attend the same elementary school cool. at the time. Well, you always get hooked into stuff when you're at school, you know, picking kids up. Christian Bale spent... Sale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christian Bale spent hours with the real Dickie Eklund to learn how to emulate him properly. He had to lose 30 pounds because Eklund was a crack addict at the time that the film was based on in the 90s. Uh, director David O. Russell said it was much more money... Or, sorry, much more than mimicry. He remarked that Dickie has a rhythm to him, a music... Uh, Christian had to understand how his mind works. That's a good way to put it. I thought that David Russell said he's kind of got a rhythm to him in the music. Because when you yeah, see Dickie in interviews and when you watch Christian Bale depict him in the movie, he does kind of have this rhythm where he's like, he's always kind of got that. Do you he, not find that with like most fighters though? Just yeah. watch him. Like I think of like Conor McGregor. Right? Shoulders Just, are always going. He's yeah. the shoulder. There's yeah. always a Muhammad sway. Ali too. There's, there's always a, a sway about them. Yep. Yeah. Muhammad right. Ali Very before he got point. sick was always just kind of his hands were always kind of going out. Even you see him moving. Uh, they live it. Vander Holyfield. Yeah. Yes, yep. too. Yep. Well, a lot of people are like that. Even Tyson. Tyson does. Yep. They've got a rhythm to them. And their it's head. a really good way to put that. I thought that was a, kind of a neat, neat comment anyway by director David O. Russell. Uh, Mark Wahlberg began training for the role in 2005. Through various production delays, Wahlberg continued to train every day so that he could be ready for filming. Filming began finally in July of 2009. Wow. A long time to be training in the role, but he looked he looked great. Apart. Training though, it'd be fun. He yeah. loves that, and shit, he loves though. to work out. That'd be fun training. He had he had some pretty good fundamentals. Like his footwork looked fairly fairly good. Like he just mm-hmm. some actors look really off, and they usually portray actors as being like kind of unorthodox fighters in a way in a lot of movies so yeah. like in rocky yeah. an unorthodox fighter so um during an interview with george lopez the real mickey ward claimed dickie eklund particularly disliked the scene where christian bale leaps into a dumpster according to eklund he actually jumped from a higher floor and there was no dump- dumpster to catch him <laughs> okay, okay. dickie Okay. Right, and you also knocked out uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. We're gonna, knocked him down. We're going to take your word as a crackhead. Yeah. <laughs> it was a slip. It was a slip. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg sent the script to Martin Scorsese, hoping that he would direct, but Scorsese turned it down. After Scorsese turned down the directing job, Mark Wahlberg tried to interest Peter Berg in directing the film, but Berg said, nah. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. I, I think it's a good pass by Scorsese because he's done... Uh, Raging Bull, you know he's done a few boxing type movies. I don't know if it would have fit with his. Nah. No, I don't think it would have brand and what he's about. His style wouldn't have really fit the no, role. No, because even Raging Bull is a much darker movie. Like as dark yeah. as this movie can be, yeah. there's also a lot of hope, hopefulness in it. Yeah, that, good point. If that's, there's an inspirational story. Yeah, yeah, and I just don't see Scorsese being the right fit for it. No, nope. Pete Berg maybe, but Berg would have been okay. But I feel like almost in a way it might have been a bit too cheesy. I feel with the Scorsese one, it's too fast. I like Peter Berg. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it can come off as a bit cheesy. Peter Berg? Yeah, it's little... not his type. No, I know what you mean by that. Scors- well, Scorsese ones. Peter Berg. Peter Berg too. did Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, let's just Good. like compare those two because we've watched them recently. You know, like there would be elements of this movie I think he would do well, but I think he. 
he also tries to do that artsy thing a little bit too much. Yep. And that this story doesn't really call for that. No. no. Just let the actors do their jobs. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So having David O. Russell direct the film was Christian Bale's suggestion. At first, Mark Wahlberg was uncomfortable with calling his friend, uh, Russell, to do it after the harrowing experience of working on Three Kings in 1999 when a fight between Russell and George Clooney broke out on the set. But he relented when Bale suggested that, or insisted that he wanted to work with Russell. So they had a classic, David O. Russell and George Clooney had a classic fight on Three Kings uh, where they almost got to fist, got into fisticuffs. Uh, George Clooney wasn't happy with the way uh, David O. Russell was treating the crew. Thought he was kind of speaking down to them or being uh, disrespectful to them. And anyway, they got into it. Russell actually has a history of this on a lot of movies that he's been on. So I think he gets a little bit heated when he's directing and people don't take it the right way. So he's kind of a Mike Keenan of sorts. Gotcha. Of when it comes to that. So some people can take it. And I take it that I know Christian Bale has been known for being difficult to work with at times as well because he can snap. And he usually is a method actor, right? So he's always in character. So sometimes you kind of have to take it as what it is. Mm -hmm. But I bet you there's a lot of actors and actresses that are like, I don't want anyone speaking to me like this, even if they are thinking that they're in character or whatever. So um, it's one of those things, just like we see in sports, where you have coaches where they're tough on people and maybe people don't like the way they speak to them and they're, you know, whatever. When you're really established. Yeah. That would be hard. You'd be like, enough. Yep. I don't need to hear that from you. I can understand. I can understand Clooney speaking, and I've. I mean, I've, I've nothing. I've heard nothing but great things in in general about Clooney. That's the thing. You know, Clooney's going to do the guy. job. He's just and such a private guy, done. anyways, that you you wouldn't know. No, right. No. I had to dig deep to figure this one out as well. There was not. A, I mean, there was. You could Google it, and it's there. But mm-hmm. I hadn't heard about it before this movie, anyway. So Richard Farrell, who plays one of the HBO cameramen in the film, is essentially playing himself. Farrell is a filmmaker and news cameraman who directed the award-winning HBO documentary High on Crack Street, um, Lost Lives in Lowell, about Dick Yecklin. So they had they actually had the uh, actual guy in the film. Another kind of realism piece that's nice. So Christian Bale reportedly lost weight to achieve the very thin fl- frame of Dickie Eklin by eating very little. He even went missing for hours at a time in preparation for his role. As we mentioned, he's kind of a method actor. He likes to get into the character. Sorry, he just like went missing? Hey, come find me? Yeah, I think he he essentially just went... He did one of those things where he went into the streets and just started trying to emulate the character a bit. Like showing up at unsavory places and learning how people act and speak and whatever wow interesting so amy adams was really keen to take on the part of charlene as it flew in the face of the kind of character she usually played oh that was great yeah Yeah. of course because normally i know when i first watched this movie and she showed up i'm like okay this is amy adams she's pretty wholesome yeah normally a wholesome character i mean i'm what's that night in the museum or whatever it is to where she's like Amy, or uh, what's her name? Uh, Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. She plays her. Like, that's the kind of character I was picturing because yeah. that was similar around that time. And she blew that out of the water, obviously. Of 
According to Mickey Ward, he and Dickie Eklund were to have a sizable cameos in the in the movie, but Eklund disliked his lines and refused to say them, so the scene was Jesus. cut. Ward appears briefly as a spectator in the fight against Hernandez. To ma- to ma- yeah, I could see Shot that happening. Him. So basically, it's like what we saw in the movie playing out in real life. Yes. Yep. So to, ma- to master Mickey Ward's mannerisms, Mark Wahlberg insisted that he be on the set every day so he could study him, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. During pre- This is funny, though. During pre-production, the Ward brothers moved into Mark Wahlberg's home. Oh, God. Oh, wow. No, <laughs> no. Oh, that's a tough one. No, I'd be like, that's no thank you. Like, how long? How In all, in all reality, and like, let's be semi-realistic because you've got money riding on this movie. How long could you put up with Dickie Eklund in your house? Mm. Keep in mind, you got millions of dollars riding on this. One week. That's fair. That's fair. Web's uh, not going to be. A I week. don't know if I could go a week. No, Web's not a week. No, I couldn't no. go a week. He's gonna. He's going to. I go maybe two days. Yeah, I, gonna, I was gonna say Web's maybe a weekend, and even then it would be by Sunday and at you, about nine thirty. You're gonna time. be highly medi- self medicated. Oh yeah. <laughs> Web eventually though will start <laughs> drinking water, reading a book, and not paying attention to you. That's your cue to leave. Yeah, oh, potentially. <laughs> well, potentially. Reading a book. I don't know. I think I'd snap before then. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd probably crack, Web, Web's crack not, something over his head first. Web, Web's not going to, you're not going to be leaving um, with Web ignoring you. You're going to be leaving with Web putting his foot in your ass. True. Right? And, <laughs> and yelling at you the whole time. Out yeah. in the street. Good point. I <laughs> and, think then I ask, could do a, and then asking if it was a cocker spaniel. With this much on the line, I think I, I could do a week. With that's a lot of money on the line. That's a lot. It's a big money. ask. Oh. It's a big ask to bring that into a household, though. So after the success of the movie, which included a huge box office haul and seven Academy Award nominations, Wahlberg said that a sequel was in the works that focuses on Gotti versus Ward, so Arturo Gotti versus Mickey Ward trilogy. So they had a sequel in the works. Uh, Buzz around the sequel continued to pop up periodically for about four years after the fighter came out, but completely fizzled out in 2015. That's kind of sucks. It's too bad because that was Mickey Ward. I mean, you can tell people that the story is amazing, but he is pretty well known for the three fights with Arturo Gotti. That's yeah. probably what he's most known for. But it would Dickie be tied to those fights? I don't know enough about Mickey I don't Ward's know about, history to know if he was still yeah. kind of in this corner. At I want to say he might have still probably been there. Because assuming now they're running a gym together, I'm assuming he probably was still part of his training crew. I watched those fights. I just don't oh, remember seeing I just need those to, fights are epic. Because I've, I've read a couple different things about Dickie, where he's at now, and mm-hmm. the things I've read, and again, I don't know how credible these sources are or what the, I can't even find the dates on one of them, but it's just talking about how he's gone back to a life of crack and he's not oh, necessarily okay. as upstanding as he might we might think he would have been. Good point. I I, yeah. I think the sequel would have been less focus on Dicky and more focus on probably Ward and Gotti. We probably would have seen kind of Dicky's uh, the how much he soaked up the screen in this movie would have been taken would have been taken away from uh, by Arturo Gotti because Gotti had his own yeah that's right bucket of issues on his side so that would have he been was also a huge line. showman too so he would have very had, big showman who plays yeah. Gotti. Oh, that's a good Ooh, that'd be good. I don't even know. Okay, I just that just popped in my head. And the, the cool thing about Gotti is, and I had watched, I had get the right look too. Hundred percent. I went down a, a rabbit hole with Gotti, and 
there's a really they had such a huge connection mickey ward and arturo Gotti. even you know obviously they had these three epic bouts together but they had so much respect for each other they that they became such good friends in real life and they got together quite often mm-hmm. and it, it was it was so much so that when arturo Gotti got inducted into the boxing hall of fame uh posthumously like he had passed away from that tragic thing um his family his mother had asked mickey ward to deliver the speech for arturo Gotti when he went into the hall of fame yeah and mickey ward jumped at it he said absolutely wherever it is whatever it needs i'll drop whatever i'm doing and i'm there because this guy meant so much to me in my life and mm-hmm. they that's how close of friends they became well and as, cool. the, movie, as the movie points cool. out too, i think that right? would like, be a great movie Ward doesn't get his major payday till he fights Arturo Gatti. No, that's right. right. Like he battled. That's when he reached seven and, figures, and he finally got paid. That's when he became famous. That's yeah. right. He was getting seven figures for those fights for Absolutely sure. Absolutely, he was. Um, very, very cool. So let's jump into our realism review. What's realistic and what's in unrealistic for you in this movie? So some of the real things I had. We talked about the trainers already. Um, talked about a bunch of that using. Um, sorry, Gotti Ward in uh, a scene. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought the gritty upbringing, um, I wrote about that, the the being a laborer in the streets. I mean, that's very, that kind of hum, 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 humble upbringing, essentially. Um, you know, blue-collar type job we talked about. The HBO pieces were good. Um, it always makes it feel pretty real when an HBO, HBO is involved in a boxing movie. Or Showtime or something. You know, yeah, ESP, yeah, ESPN. Not only that, but they actually clipped in live audio from the actual fights and they did and it just makes it you know even the one of the entrances i believe like it just makes it a lot better when you can see that uh the boxing crowd that 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 kind of makes it a lot much more real to me when you can see the crowd um sorry the i I talked about poor to rich uh being embarrassed to lose i thought that wasn't a good scene you talked about i was embarrassed and i think we kind of forget about that when guys going you know into fight and that is on the line for them a little bit, that embarrassment piece. I mean, it probably also makes people very good fighters because they fight with a little tiny bit maybe of apprehension or fear or worry or anxiety. Um, Wahlberg does a great job because his training is real and you believe it. It's not just some random person. You know he takes really good care of himself and takes pride in that. Like when he's doing the window washers? Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. I thought, yeah, all that stuff was um, – the idea of when mickey said nobody gets paid if i fight you know that pawn the boxer being used as a pawn essentially to try to as a vehicle to make other people rich i mean in promotion we see that all the time the ufc right now you know we see that all a lot um other things that i had for uh fake um maybe it happened with dickie getting that close to ray leonard i don't know if you could maybe you can maybe you can in a hotel but to get that close to sugar ray leonard I don't know if you can. I I, may, I could be wrong. Again, I don't know. Where he's walking with Yeah, his when he talks about it in the hotel, he's like, call me, all too. that. I think he would because cause he's Mickey Ward's part of his entourage. Maybe. Because Mickey Ward would be have the access to that level of... I guess, but you think he's going to have people around him, security guards, people like that. Oh, he would. and, and I. But I think I think they he was in an area where... Only certain people that have that type of like access. VIP type area. My, yeah. It had to have been because I'm like, you can't just get that close to Sugar Ray Leonard, I'm yeah. sure. I think they're in an area where that, that would be possible. So another one was I had when the ref was going to stop the first fight in round five. Um, the Again, he was fighting and he was using the strategy. What was the guy? Who was rope the guy? Nope. 
Yeah, he was rope open strategy. Who was he fighting again? It wasn't Hernandez. Sanchez. Hernandez. San- Sanchez. Sanchez. Sanchez, thank you. Sanchez. And the ref said, you know, you just don't keep this up. I'm going to stop it in round five. Well, it was still round seven, and he was still doing it. Yeah. So that was he one of he like, kept that going for a few a rounds. long yeah. time yeah. to keep that up. Um, and the other, I mean, I'll turn it over to you guys. The other fake one I had was like, how is there no CAS call for Dickie's kid at this point? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm sorry. But like. When he starts punching the lockers. He's punching lockers. He's hanging out. His dad's a crackhead. The mom, like, anyway. Like, what's that that kid like now? Yeah, like, I just worried of the kid, Webb. So, those are some of the ones I had. Fair point. Uh, Yeah, I don't even, I'm not even going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, one of the things I thought was kind of odd, and I don't know how realistic it would be. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Family members sitting that close to ringside, like they're where Charlene was in his corner, like yelling at him. Yeah, like, like yeah. they're literally on the ring, like maybe in that tiny venue that he's got to walk across the street from. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but yeah, like maybe. when he's fighting for the heavyweight championship or not heavyweight, welterweight, whatever it is, you're gonna have some celebrities sit in front row there. You're gonna have like I don't know, maybe they would be close. I just I can't see them being that close. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think that was realistic. They did do a good job. Like I said earlier, I watched a bunch of the, his fights. They did a great job with getting the right gloves and the trunks and all mm-hmm. that. Like the outfits were everything on looked point. Right. It, yeah. it, like everything looked great. They did a great job splicing in like, um, what the heck are the announcements name, or announcer's name? Now? Michael Buffer? No. Jim no, no, Lampley? No. Jim Lampley. And who's the other guy? The uh, Larry Merchant. Larry right. Merchant. And like the, like the actual audio they used they from George the Foreman on the yeah like you can hear of them and it, and it, it's great so they did an awesome job with that um the to your point uh Jerry about them stopping the fights the actual fights from what I watched anyways he's never out of a fight like that's the one thing that they Hollywooded it up a little yeah. bit to make mm-hmm. it look like it look he was like getting this. dominated and everything like that was his, his style was just get in there and yeah go toe to toe Mickey would like Take a punch to hit, you know, to get a punch. Oh, totally, he did. He banged it out. I will say too, in the Sanchez fight for the movie, they totally oversold how hard he hit him with the second shot to take him down. The first kidney shot, where he's like, "Oh, that might have hurt him." Yeah. When you see it in real time and you watch it, you see how hard he hits him that one, and that's the one that's like really his bread and butter punch. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see the next time he hits him, and you're like, "Oh my god!" That's how he beats Gotti too. That's that was his known but just body. watching how many times he hits that uppercut too like where he jabs it's like an uppercut jab yeah do you know what i mean he like does he, does it, it, he does it with his lead hand yeah, yeah and he and, and he doesn't do it like he doesn't throw it hard but he enough to like knock the guy's head back he, he does a pretty good job and they did a really i thought Wahlberg did a really good job at capturing that yeah um the other thing that i thought was kind of maybe when Wahlberg gets his hot hand broken by the cop right and that whole scene where he's like did you not think that if he's a boxer and he's breaking his hand, there would have been a little bit more, I'll say acting from Mark Wahlberg on that. Like I didn't find that believable. Yeah. You're a boxer. This is your livelihood. How upset you'd be. How yeah. upset you would be. How yeah. devastated you would and it, be. And it was a significant how, injury because he had to have surgeries on it. He, he actually had to like take out second jobs just to pay for the surgery. And so I was watching, I was reading something about that particular incident and how realistic it was. And apparently there's like the cops are overheard saying like, you know, break his hands. Cause he's a fight, a bite, a fighter or something like that. Yeah. Break. And, and so there was pricks. Yeah. There's some realism piece there. 
Um, the only other thing I'm going to add is the, the final, when he wins the, when he beats Neary or whatever and wins the title, the kiss with Alice was like super was long. Oh, yeah. So, thank you. It was yeah. so I, awkward. I, I, I took I was that like, as well. He kissed his mom as deeply as he kissed his girlfriend. Yeah, That's it was, weird. It was weird. <laughs> it was super weird. It was a bit creepy to me too. Um, yeah, you guys nailed most of them that I had. Uh, one thing I thought was really cool is how they made the cinematography during the fights. Uh, the way, how bright it was and the fuzziness of the screen to make it look like it did when you were watching 93 fight, like fights in 1993. Pretty HD. Standard def. I, really? I, yeah. 360p. I love how yeah. they brought that back because you're like, it actually looked like some of it was like real footage, but even though it wasn't, they were yeah. recreating it. I thought that was really well done how they did that. One thing I had a really hard getting time getting past was the fact that Wahlberg didn't fight Southpaw because Mickey Ward was a Southpaw. Yes. And... He fought everything right-handed because he felt comfortable that way. But I uh, kind of irked me that he didn't at least. Isn't Wahlberg a lefty? No, I mean, I mean, he's a lefty with throwing footballs. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he's not because. Okay. That was one thing I think they had talked about. Wahlberg wanted to fight as a righty. I I I just think he should have tried to fight as a lefty. I just think he should have, just for the realism piece. Yeah, that's one thing that irked. Might have been really really hard though. It would be it'd be tough. But he had like four years. Have, I don't think he knew he was going to have four years to train for it. But mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. true. But I think it would have been nice. Um, the other thing that I had to mention about Unrealistic was just that one scene of the Sanchez knockdown where uh, when they show it in slow-mo, like Sanchez, the guy who's playing Sanchez literally just stands there like a statue while Mark Wahlberg like slowly moves around him to hit these combos. I'm like, that just looks so unrealistic. Just, it just looked Mickey Mouse, even though a lot of the other boxing scenes look pretty good. Um, and then the only last thing I want to mention was the actual timeline of the story for Mickey Ward is inaccurate. So Ward was actually, he actually won the WBU Intercontinental Light Welterweight title in 1996 in a fight against Louis Vader, Louis Vader uh, at the Fleet Center in Boston. He then defended that title and won. And then he fought for the IBF light welterweight title in 1997 against Vince Phillips, but lost. He then lost in 1998 against Zab Judah in a bout for the interim USBA light welterweight title. And then he finally won the WBU light welterweight title in 2000, four years after he won the um, WBU intercontinental lightweight, heavyweight, lightweight title, so light welterweight, sorry, title. Um, against Shane Neary. So that Shane Neary fight that we saw where it was like his first shot at a title mm-hmm. was four years after he won his first belt. So it's very inaccurate in the sense of how they played it out. Sab Judah was tough. Forgot about him. Yeah. So Mickey had some shots mm-hmm. multiple times before they showed the, before he actually won the his second belt, so to speak, against yeah. Shane Neary. So that's the only thing that's a little bit a little bit of a whack. Uh, let's jump into the soundtrack. So music was composed by Michael Brook. So Brook is a Canadian guitarist, inventor, producer, and film mu- music composer. He was the creator of the Infinite Guitar. Brook's soundtrack uh, to Into the Wild uh, was nominated for a Golden Globe Award in 2008. So what do you, Webb, what are your feelings on this soundtrack? Oh, you want me to lead off on this one? Of course. Okay. Uh, another great movie soundtrack. We this is like I think three weeks in a row we've had some heavy hitter soundtracks. This one's a great mix of 
uh, I'll say classic rock uh, with some 80s vibes, with some um, alternative music mixed in there as well, with some, a little bit of punk to represent, you know, some of the the Irishness. Uh, a lot of great songs on here. Jamer, I'm going to feel like, is a big one on this one with uh, – uh, <laughs> the whole time I, I, when they're in the bar scene and he's trying to pick oh, up Charlene yeah. and Hall and Oates comes on yeah, and I, yeah, I just yeah. as soon as Sarah smiles I was like oh Jamer's gonna be in. like this is like Jamer's heyday right Hell yeah. Song. oh yeah uh, love this soundtrack that one I mean Whitesnake classic Stones classic Zeppelin classic there's a lot of really good tracks you know on what this, this movie had some great dive bar music oh I yeah I wrote down like what a great well, dive the, bar the last song they had too like How You Like Me Now oh yeah I love the it. heavy that's a good one yeah. and then I, I had this one on so I'm a huge uh, Ben Harper fan I've loved Ben yes. Harper for a very long time yes and I love the fact that they ended with Glory and Consequences that, that tune just it was really fitting to kind of show it. that song to me has always seemed very hopeful mm-hmm. and it just kind of showed you the rise of where the not only mickey ward was but even dicky right and and yeah. the the family was kind of moving in this more hopeful direction right. i just thought it was a really really well-timed well-placed song um and it, it's awesome this is a really really good soundtrack yeah i loved it dive bar music yeah. dive bar music oh no, it's perfect I, I, oh, it's unbelievable perfect. just a we really had the had a very similar feel to um, the movie that we did with uh, Miles Teller. What was that one? Paz. Uh, Paz Bleed Paz, for uh, this. Bleed for yeah, this. It was yeah. good. It's a very f- similar feel. Um, so let's do a little wrap up here. Where does this movie rank among all time boxing movies? Where do you have it among all time sports movies? After rewatching this, I had a hard time where I put this in all time. I, I have an idea, but in boxing, I I had to move it up. Been a while against I watched. I got it in the top five. Um, just the cast alone. It was too. The story in the cast for me, as I watched it again, was like, oh, it's too much. I gotta, add, I gotta bump this up mentally into my top five. Definitely. Overall, uh, probably my top twenty-five. It's, it's just really good. It's good. It's movie. just a really well done movie. I mean, you heard me say earlier in the podcast. You know, I can't stand it, but the story is captivating the acting well you know watching it the other night it's just it's a great story mm-hmm. and it's well told and well played by the people doing it so i remember when we were doing rocky and i went back and listened to that pod recently and i put rocky reluctantly at one because we talked about how it's significant cultural significance for sure this yeah. is actually my number one boxing movie and it's because the actors in this movie do such a great job and because they won Academy Awards yep. and because the soundtrack's fantastic. There's no plot line holes in it for me. It's based on a real story. So that always tends to kind of resonate more with me. Um, mm-hmm. Being a history guy, I kind of like, I, I gravitate towards those a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That being said, because we talked about the significance of Rocky, I'll put it at two. Um, in terms of boxing all time I've got it at 10 yeah it's it's I just I love it it's one I come back to quite a bit if I get the chance um, so yeah I've watched this this one this and JR knows how I like my certain Boston movies and on a on a, a hangover day I get one of two choices it's usually Goodwill Hunting or The Town oh The Town, uh, the town is a big one I watched The Town last week with uh, R.A. oh yeah <laughs> that's right uh, so I you know anything kind of Anything involving Boston, I usually... Yeah. The Departed's another... Departed. One. 
Yeah, like, so, and I mean, Wahlberg is great. Wahlberg, any time of day, I, I usually have a lot of time for. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go ten. Nice. Yeah, I have it number two in boxing movies, right behind Rocky, and I have it number fourteen all time. I have it very high as well. Yeah, those are all pretty spot on. So this week, uh, our draft because we have some pretty legit nicknames we have the pride of old dickie eckland and we also have irish mickey ward in this movie we're going to talk about the greatest nicknames in sports history so our draft this week is greatest nicknames in sports history we're gonna go five rounds we're gonna go five rounds because as webb mentioned there's like you can go for days on nicknames in sports there's so many great na- uh, nicknames in sports so instead of our usual three rounds we're going to go five rounds this time for our draft right. and i do believe that webb is going to kick it off with our first pick jerry your second i believe i'm third or oh, your third this week? week all right i guess i got second then yep okay so i was i was mentioning to jamer jr before you got here i'm going to try and diversify my choices because we've got such a deep i'm going to try and go one from all the major North American, Are you really? North American sports. You're a small the core, guy. The core four. Oh, you're a core good guy. Four. The core four, and then I'll throw in a boxing one just because it's a boxing. I'm one. gonna go from uh, the Ocho Sports I'm Quarterly. The Ocho Sports. Okay, so Nando's. I'm gonna go. Uh, oh, I'm torn for this one for hockey. Big. Pick. Uh, it's a big pick. Yeah, I gotta do. It. I gotta. I, how can you not go with the great one? The great? No, you have to pick the great. The one. great one is it's. It, it was between that and another <laughs> one, but I, I gotta go with the great one. Go with Wayner for uh, the first overall. That's pretty legit. All right. I, it's it's a, a tough one because there's so many good ones, but I want to kick this one off with the guy who was a monster in the postseason, helping the Athletics to three straight World Series titles before moving to the Yankees and winning two more. This guy always came through in the postseason. Thurman Munson gave him the nickname Mr. October. I'm talking about Reggie Jackson. Yeah, That's a good, good pick. one. Very good one. I mean, let's be honest. There's going to be there's none so of these that aren't going to be pretty good picks. There's not going to be duds. I've got a beauty nickname for you to start out with. I'm going to come in hot on this one. This guy was a pitcher in the major leagues. He pitched for the Expos. He pitched for the Red Sox. Yes. He has arguably one of the greatest sports nicknames ever. Not Wick. a bad pitcher, actually. He was good. He was good. Dennis Oil Can Boyd. Oh. You can't go wrong. I, I, I thought you were going somewhere else nope. with this. I, I thought he had I saw that one when that came on. I was like, how can you not go with a nickname? Oil Can Boyd. I oh. thought you were going with Bill Spaceman Lee. Well, no, I had that one down later, but... Dennis Oil Can Boyd. You find me a better nickname than that. I thought he was going to go with Louis Pisaglia. (laughs) (laughs) Louis the Foot Pisaglia. Okay, back to me again, I guess, eh? All right, so let's move it around then. This one I'm going to go with a gentleman who retired a little bit early but kept his health intact. He played football at Georgia Tech. Unfortunately, he had to play for the Go Lions. Uh, he played for the Detroit Lions, which is too bad. Too bad he didn't play for a better team. Sorry, Detroit. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. That's pretty sick. How yeah, awesome of a nickname is Megatron? It's Very pretty cool. Very cool nickname. All right, I'm coming back with a guy. He, he had a couple of nicknames. Like One was a little bit more, uh, I guess you'd be proud of than the other, but I'm going to go with the latter, which is this guy was one of the greatest gamers and clutch shooters of all time. He could trash talk with the best of them, and he had lips like a lava, a lava lizard. Every white person has an ant that looks like this guy. 
Also known as Larry Legend, but I'm going with the hick from French Lick. Nice. Larry Bird. Nice. Well, that's great. And on that vein, then, I'm going to go with the foil to your Larry. I'm going to go with Magic Irving Johnson. I mean, when you're more recognizable as Magic than you are as your actual name, Irving, you know, I think that uh, that speaks volume in and of itself. So I'll go with Magic, number two. Uh, third, I'm going to go with uh, some comedic relief here. I'm going to go with The Big Unit. Uh, yes. I'm going to go with, name. with uh, Randy Johnson. What Great pick. All right. I'm up? No, yeah. I'm, I'm... No, Jamer's No, up. sorry, Jamer. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so I'm going with a guy... Uh, uh, so his nickname was Too Tall, and it's a pretty obvious nickname for a guy standing 6'9", but that's not abnormal for a basketball player. But the problem was Ed Jones played football and got the nickname on his first day of practice at Tennessee State because his pants didn't fit properly. A teammate noted that this was because he was too tall to play football, and the name stuck. Ed Jones was so prolific at battle, uh, batting down passes during his time with the Cowboys in the NFL that they were compelled to start recording that as an official stat. So I'm talking about Ed Too Tall Jones. That's a pretty good nickname. Okay, lots to pick from, that's for sure. Uh, all right, so I'll also go back to uh, basketball. This guy was un- unbelievably jacked. He's a Dream Team member, played for San Antonio, or number 50. Yeah. David Robinson, the Admiral? Yeah, Admiral. What a great nickname. Fantastic. I mean, so cool. He, yeah, I mean, I know he was a pretty straight-laced guy, but what a cool he nickname. Mr. Robinson's, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood they had in their Alamo Dome or wherever they were playing. Mm, yep. Pretty cool guy. Pretty good nickname. Heck of a basketball player and an overall winner. And his kid went to Notre Dame. Yeah. His kid went to Notre Dame. It's true. Pretty good Notre Dame football player, too. Yep. All right. You're back. Uh, next for me, oh, there are a lot. Um, I think I'm going to go back to... Let's go to NASCAR. Ooh, I know it too. Okay. You love this guy. Dale Earnhardt Sr., the intimidator in NASCAR with his big duster and those glasses, whatever those kind of glasses you he used to wear. That guy was awesome in, in NASCAR. Uh, rest in peace, of course. But what a cool nickname for a NASCAR driver, the intimidator. He can make a jungle cat purr. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go with uh, a guy that was never a true star player on any team. But he was one of the most intriguing players in sports history because of his uncanny knack to hit clutch shots in the biggest moments possible time and time again. His clutchness factored heavily into his seven NBA championship titles that he won. I'm talking about big shot Bob Robertory. Good nickname. Nice pick. Yeah, good nice pick. Nickname. I'm going to surprise you guys with this song. I'm going to go football next. And uh, Jerry, you might recognize this guy. He, he had a cup of coffee with the Raiders. Uh, he played, I think, at Western Kentucky. He played his college ball. Um, he, he bounced around the CFL a little bit. Oh, but yeah. he's But he's most famously known for his time in the XFL as a running back. I'm going with Rod Smart, a.k.a. He Hate Me. Oh, Great yeah. Nick, oh, yeah. Great pick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, those of you that don't know that he who he hate me is, go oh, YouTube yeah. that and watch the clip. It's amazing. It's classic. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got the core four, right? So I need a boxer. Ooh, who do I go? I'm going to go with – oh, i got to make sure I can – Wow, oh, now I can't remember it. It's going to drive me nuts. Jamer's going to have to fill me 80s in. 80s guy? 
No, he was on the cover of one of the fight nights. In I'll boxing? go. With, yeah, Roy I'll go. Jones? With, no, uh, I'll come back to him. I'll, uh, it'll be my honorable mention. I'll Arturo go with Thunder Gotti. No, Marvelous I'll go, Marvin. No, 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 no. Hitman. Uh, Sorry, I'll stop. Is it the Executioner? Bernard, oh, Bernard, the, Ex- oh, yeah. Bernard the Executioner yeah, Hopkins. Yeah, great nickname. He was, was on, it uh, Fight Night 04 yeah. or something. He's on the cover. Oh, yeah. He was, under, he was fighting competitively until he was 50. Yeah. He fought the Executioner. Ever. Stud. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my last pick off with a guy that's close to home. Hall of Famer spent his entire career overcoming the odds, converted from D to forward in junior, and then drafted late as an undersized long shot. He ended up racking up over 1,400 points in the NHL on the way to an insane career. Early in his career, he earned one of the greatest nicknames when St. Louis teammate Brian Sutter called him Killer because he looked like Charlie Manson. I'm talking about Doug Gilmore. Kingston, Ontario native. All right. Then don't you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my last one, I'll wrap up here. I'm going to go to hockey as well. Uh, this guy was a tough guy. He played for a lot of teams Detroit, Chicago. Mm-hmm. He played for Nashville. Um, he can really handle and throw. He could throw fists in a heavyweight era. And he had the name the Grim Reaper. Yes. Stu, Your the boy. Grim Reaper Grimson. What Unreal. a great nickname for a fighter. Amazing. Yeah, I'm going with him. Does does uh does Bob have a nickname other than Esso? Maybe Bob Essenza. Yeah. Does he? Did he ever have a nickname? Not that I know of. Oh. Yeah, I don't no. know if he did. I feel like it'd be like something simple like Lasanza. Or... Sometimes used to be a Lasanza. That's amazing. Yeah, I know Lasanza was a chirp. There, there are some fun. good ones we left off the board. We got the Salt and the Swat, the Colossus of Clout. Who? Baby Ruth? King of Crash? <laughs> what about the crime dog, Fred McGriff? Oh, oh yeah. Classic so I had white chocolate, Jason what about, Williams. What about prime time? I had that on there. I, I admit the mailman, Carl Malone. Yeah. The mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. That's right. Uh, <laughs> King James? Oh! I had one one that I left off that I really wanted to bring up was uh, the glove, Gary Payton. I love Gary Payton. That's a sick name. I wasn't worried about the glove. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was, wait, I let, I was leading that out there for you to slam that home. <laughs> Thomas Hearns, a hitman. El sick Duque, nickname. Orlando Hernandez. El Duque. The hey, Refrigerator Perry. I feel like we should just make a post and get people to put. Joel, Joel, I Joel can't believe Jared didn't go with Stan the Man or Ozzy. Yeah, unusual. Yeah. Ozzy the Wizard. I, no, I, I didn't. Stan I had the them down. I'm gonna honorable di- mentions. I diversified, like you were doing. You yeah. know who I was gonna leave? Joel, Joel DiMaggio. Big Hurt. Big Hurt. Are you or uh, I can't believe Jammer uh, didn't go with Garrick either. Who? Lou Garrick. Is it oh, Lou? Garrick? The Iron Horse. The Iron Horse. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have had him on there. I thought you might have had him as a baseball one. Um, the Dr. J, the Super Captain. Mario, there's um, Mick Jesus. That's pretty cool. Mick, Mick Jesus, Jesus Shuttlesworth, great nickname. Yeah, the answer, the dream. Let us know the your dream. favorites. Let us know. Uh, yeah, the big fundamental. Oh, that's a good Tim one. Tim Duncan. Too. Yeah, we'll put a post out and get people to put on prime time. Games. Deion Sanders, Matty Ice, the Dominator, Dominic Kasich. We're gonna keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it the won't big stop. hurt. Yeah, you said the big hurt. Uh, Teddy Ball game. Ted Williams. The Splendid yeah. Splinter. Splendid Splinter. Those are all nicknames. The Yankee Clever. Oh, yeah. Mr. Hockey. You name it. You Mr. Down. Hockey was my the one I was going back and forth with. It's just so corny. It's like, meh. But when you're it's named... It's also like 1955. And you're named after your sport. I feel like back in the day, though, they had some sick nicknames. And I'm like... 
That's what you came out with, Mr. Hockey. Glenn Chico Resch. Yeah, like some <laughs> of that stuff. Like that. you know, there you know there were some stories behind them. Okay. I love it when you know, like you're like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a story behind it, like yeah. killer. Like, you know, there's a story behind that, right? We forgot the most infamous one, the Hamburglar. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hamburglar. Forgot about him. Yeah, there's some some classic ones. That's funny. Good times. Tell them where to hit us up, Web. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Engage with us on social. Don't forget, uh, get us, get at us this week. Let us know who your favorite athletes are and what their nicknames are. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks, on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. You can check us out on TikTok and uh, give us a like on uh, YouTube as well. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care, everyone. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. That was my other honorable oh, mention. Rock Reigns. <laughs> And it's not because he was strong. (laughs) (laughs) Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer Talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants With their big bag of tricks Podcast Cricks, Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks, Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks, Jordan Christian and Jammer!